Welcome to Nerd Escape Podcast, where we talk about everything underrated and overlooked. I'm your host, Cammie. And I'm your host, Jablar. Welcome back, everyone. I know. I'm so excited. Episode three. We're still going at it, and hopefully you're still listening. Yeah. It's getting a little easier to do these things, but not really. No, we're still having trouble, but we love it. We're learning as we go, but you're learning with us, and we appreciate it. Just take a little time right now. Get some dopamine in. Do a Listen dance. to this song. Because I dance to this song still. Same. And I've heard it over and over and over again. Maybe too many times. Do it, do it. Yeah. Woo! Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little dance to get the stress off. Uh, yes, Nerd Escape Podcast is back. We're back with episode three. We're going to be talking about a very good comic book called Bitter Roots. Uh-huh. This Bitter Roots was introduced to me by Cammie. She actually searched for this book. So Cammie, why don't you tell us a little bit about this Bitter Root and how you discovered it? So Bitter Root, it is written by David F. Walker, as well as Chuck Brown. And so David F. Walker, he's a writer, filmmaker, and so he teaches at a university in Portland. And then Chuck Brown, he is a writer for The Punisher and Black Panther. He's a writer, a co-creator. So, I mean, it's pretty dope stuff. Okay. We also have our artist for the whole entire book, and it is Sanford Green. He is a successful cartoonist, and he's been doing that for over 17 years. So, I think that's pretty freaking cool. Okay, yeah. So, I went on his Instagram. Well... We'll throw their tags, these three creators, down uh, when we post this episode. Absolutely. Mr. Green's IG is loaded with art. He's always doing live videos where he will, like, you know, have a whole portfolio of little packets he sends people, which oh, I yeah. think is pretty cool. And his art was really badass. Yeah, super, super badass. I'm just like, wow, how do I get that good? And I understand we have, and then we'll get some credit to the colorist and the... The uh, letterer. Letterer. Yeah, so Rico Renzi, he is the colorist and does an amazing job. I actually love the color scheme of this thing. Oh, yeah. So he is a designer from Washington. Really cool. Um, and he's worked on Spider-Man Enter uh, the Spider-Verse. Okay, that's big time. I know, right? I okay. was like, holy cow. He's done Wired and Fast Company Magazine. So he's he's well-rounded. Rico, you're well-rounded. All right. Clayton Klaus. He is a 2009 graduate of Joe Kerbert School, and he's lettered for plenty of Marvel and DC and Image Comics, so he's pretty well-rounded, too, especially okay. in the comic world. Well, that's please. We'll, we'll try it out as hard as we can to give credit where credit's due by tagging the IG handles and everything, uh, but please tell our audience where you found this book. So... As some of you may know, and if you don't know, I am also on YouTube and I talk about um, books and beer, craft beer specifically. And so the one thing about BookTube, unfortunately, is that there is a shortage of diversity when it comes to reading books and comics. I'll admit that I've observed that as well. Yeah, so um, probably, I mean, it was at the beginning of the year, and so I decided, hey, I'm going to make it my active duty to diversify my bookshelf, because guess what? There's a bad algorithm that does not <laughs> really like help black authors I to mean, be that algorithm goes to the bookstore as well. Yeah. It's just alphabetical order. 
uh, you just go get it, go to a real bookstore and get an actual paperback or something because I'll admit my bookshelf, I have a lot of books that I love, authors and comic books, different artists, and a lot of them, there's not a lot of diversity out there. Yeah. Uh, I thought of one today, uh, Gabriel Baugh and Fabio Moon. I love them. They do writing and they do art. They're from Brazil. Okay. That's what I can think on that. And both novels. Right. And because I guess there's so much classical novels that came up through the years and back then, you know. Right. Or the, the guy did Three Musketeers. That's like the only French guy. Uh, I guess so. I don't know. I forgot his name, but I remember in Django. He loved Three Musketeers, yes. and he told him, I was like, he's he's black. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, Alexander Dumas. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Alexander I was Dumas. like, it came to me. Yes. So it's very rare. No, it's And so I know you are trying to diversify your bookshelf, yeah. and now I'm starting to try to diversify mine. Where It really is hard to find. It's, it's, it's slim picking. It's rare. You have, like, it, you have to do the research, and you have to dig really, really deep. So it is legitimately my goal to diversify my shelves and give other people some helpful tips in diversifying their bookshelves. But basically, I just, again, took a really deep dive into Google, into Goodreads. And if you don't know what Goodreads is, you can track all your comics and books and anything that's coming out new. And it's a little app. So I will also link that link down below, just so everyone knows. But basically, deep dive, and I found Bitterroot. And the rest is history. Yes, because all the creators are black. Yes, they are. <laughs> Which, yeah, and it's this comic book, the style, the art, uh, the way everything's like platformed out and plotted on like, you know, the comic book boxes with the arts at and where the words are at. It gave me a nostalgic feel. Yes. So you could tell that these guys love comic books. Yeah, you it, really can. It really did. And it. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on some of the nostalgic hits that I got from some characters and just from some settings. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna dive into bitter roots uh, the best way we can. I guess we'll start off with uh, a brief setting. The setting in this comic book is so important because bitter roots, it has a lot more a message underneath it. Yeah, it really has does. a big message underneath it that you catch on pretty quickly what it is. The setting, it is in 1924, and they are in Harlem, New York, mm -hmm. and so it is the Harlem's Renaissance era. If anyone's aware of that, it is whenever black communities in New York started to have a rebirth of arts and music and, you know, culture. Mm -hmm. And in Harlem, it was blowing up with that, you know, the communities were really starting to dig into American soil and be who they are and live their lives. But it's also attracted a lot of bullshit from the all-knowing every side that we know just is back in the day that just, you know, spread hate. So this is all taking place in 1924 Harlem, but it also takes place in 1924 Mississippi as well. And as we all know, uh, things were not that great. They're way worse in the <laughs> South. But also there is noting of the events because this is the historical fiction, this whole story, that they note the events of the 1919 Red Summer and the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. Uh, what they used to call the race riots whenever they wouldn't tell anyone about it. Yeah, and there was literally no rioting. <laughs> no riot at all. We will get into those dates and why they are significant in the story because they really do do a really good job. I said do-do. They really <laughs> do a good job of intertwining the history with it all, but also making it a comic book that's fiction as well. Yes. Yes. 
So we're just going to dive in and we're going to talk about the characters. We feel like a brief setting talk and then, you know, give you some character background to really see what the story is about. But uh, Cammy's going to take it away. Uh, please explain to us what Bitterroot's main characters, characters are. There's so many characters, which I like super loved about this. It just had so many characters that had enough depth that you could kind of understand the character. So we have the Sanjiri family and they are from Harlem. So the Sanjiri, they fight demons. They're demon fighters. Yeah. Demon purifiers too. Purifiers for sure. Probably more purifying than like Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> There's some Slayer Sanjiri family members. Yeah. And that's what gives a good dynamic to the whole family. It really does. Uh, but they call these demons Genu. Yes, Genu. Um, and so a Genu, is a human who is consumed by hate, fear, and it just throws them from, you know, they go into evil thoughts and people turn into demons yeah. who have a lot of hate and a lot of fear and who generally in 1924 are racist. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to evolve to this, but basically this is about a family who fights racist demons. Yeah. Yeah, because they're, <laughs> they're consumed by it, but it's a they do it in such a beautiful way. It's like it's done really well. Really? Um, the, these Genu, uh, these Genu, after they're consumed by fear, uh, to a point of transformation into a hideous ghoul-like demon. So they'll still look like a human, you know, but like their eyes will turn red and they'll get like, you know, pointy ears and they'll try to turn green. And Yeah, it's like watching an animal. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And the Sanjiri family, they will battle out with you. Like there's mm -hmm. the scene that starts and some of the family members are on a rooftop fighting. Uh, and they, their goal is to subdue you, not kill the demon, and to inject you with a serum that yeah. they make. And it's made from a root. It's the, it's beef, the no? beef no root. Beef no root. And so that's why it's called bitter root because they're curing the racist hate people. demons <laughs> <laughs> with a root serum. And they have like little gauntlets, and they have like a backpack, and those like gauntlets, like glove gauntlets, like hook up to their backpack, and they kind of you know just use the serum's power when like they touch the demon and they have like a really fight with them. It's really cool. And the demons are cool. Like I think they played a home homage to the one of the first scenes. Uh, there was two cousins of the Sangiri family who were fighting a demon on a rooftop. And I'll say the demon kind of looks like oh boy. <laughs> he does. It, it, it kind of played homage to it. I don't know if the guys were the creators were actually trying to do that. But I kind of saw it there I was like, oh yeah, you know, Hellboy he fought demons and mm -hmm. like monsters and yep. then now he's one of them. It's kind of like, I, I think, I think it was. I, think, I probably was. Yes. But, um, some more characters of the, also with Genu, there are, uh, other demons called Nzandu. Mm -hmm. Apparently in Zandu, they are not humans who became demons. They're just demons. Yeah. And so sometimes I, I just think and tell friends like evil isn't tangible and they're like, yeah, it is like, you know, if you have enough hate, you have enough fear, you'll think something's evil, you yeah. know? And this comic book takes hate, fear, and racism and gives it a face. Yeah. It really does. It gives it, like, a tangible face, like, oh, like, you're consumed by it. Right. Which, the Sangiri family believes they can be cured. People yeah. can be cured from this. It's like a hopeful thought. But with that, the first scene, they're on a rooftop, and there's uh, two of the three main cousins in the story fighting a demon. We'll start off with the first character. His name is Berg. Berg is the oldest of the three cousins. Um, the three cousins, there's Colin, who's another guy, and there's Blink, who's yeah. a girl. Yeah. 
uh, or I a woman. <laughs> she's she's feisty. She is. Um, basically, he's his body type. He's a bulky, big guy. He has a beard. He's like the muscle of the group. But what's really unique to him, or keen to him, if you will, um, he's he's the sarcastic, intelligent one of the family. Yeah. Um, for he is always brandishing his intellect through big, long vocabulary words. Yeah. Big, the best, the greatest, longest vocabulary words on record. You have to look them up to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so every bubble, you have to per- basically stop and look it up. And someone find this annoying. Yeah, there was a reviewer, and they found that Berg was using such large words, and they found it annoying. And I'm just like, so you don't like reading? Is that what you're telling me? You don't like learning? And so I think, I don't understand that because... In order for me to get into reading, I had to get used to looking at big words. Right, and, and when you start yeah, reading, write it down you and learn just words. move on. And then as you're reading that book, you'll learn that word, and hopefully they'll use it more often. Exactly. So he he does brandish it. So it's like he's it's almost like he's bragging. But Berg has a background story that's explained in one issue, the summer annual issue, the Red Summer, where you see why yeah he uses big vocabulary words because he had a struggle to get to that point. Yep. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, but these, this character who's big and bulky and just sitting on the sideline observing and being sarcastic and using big vocabulary words that you got to get your dictionary out. Like, I love it. I love looking up words, learning new words. It works for me. Um, it gave me a nostalgic feel back to reading old X-Men comic books or even new X-Men comic books with Beast. Beast, the, the Beast in X-Men used to be my favorite yeah, you know, because he's blue and he's an animal, he's jumping around, but also because you had to get a dictionary out to know what he was talking right. about. Usually every bubble beast was using some big word to make some little kid go get a dictionary, or they would just skip it and be like, ah, I don't care anymore. So <laughs> he gives me that feel. He's the oldest of the cousin, and he's like, you know, he's always has his cool. Berg's a cool character. Yeah, he is. Um, but as Berg is on the rooftop uh, fighting a demon, he's not really fighting, he is actually coaching his younger cousin. Who I guess is the baby cousin, like the runt. Yeah. Um, his name is Cullen. Cullen. If you want to give a brief description of So Cullen, he is definitely the you can definitely tell he's the youngest of the cousins because everyone's really trying to like coach him and guide him and be like, hey, you've got to get it together, you've got to like grow up, be a man, you've got to take things on your own. And so like he's doing the best that he can in his mind. But oh, it sounded so sad. <laughs> I know. I mean, but he is. He's I mean, doing the best he can. <laughs> he really is. Because, I mean, he's still trying to fight. He's st- But he's just, he hasn't, like, really gained that inner strength that Blink or Berg has just yet. Yes. And he, the future is bright for Cullen. And that's all I'm going to say. He... He, he grows a lot through the first five uh, issues. Yeah. And this is only the first five issues that we're talking about and the uh, summer annual one that yes. came out of it. So there's a new trade coming out soon mm-hmm. that, you know, we haven't even dove in yet and we already love this comic book a lot. Yes. Colin has a bright future and a lot of potential to become a really badass character. That's all I'm going to say. Sure. At that. But his, the other cousin, uh, I guess the middle cousin, I believe, yeah. is named Blink. Uh, she's a female, and she is downstairs of the rooftops in New- in Harlem with her grandma, uh, Ma Etta. Yeah, Ma Etta. And they are making the uh, bitter roots, yes. the Thiefno root serum. And, you know, she's just like, no, the brawn is for the men, and the brain works is for yeah. the women. And Ma Etta is, you know, a very older elder of the family, 
and Blink can fight though. She really can. Blink honestly. can whoop ass and she's just like, I want to get out there and fight. And, you know, they're going to get killed up there. And she's like, no, you guys are here because apparently the whole family has lost a lot of family members. Right. And Ma Etta doesn't want to lose anymore. So she'd rather Blink stay put and help her and not fight demons right. because Blink already lost her mom. Cullen already lost his mom and Berg lost his parents too. Right. So all the cousins are orphans and Ma Etta is all they have. Right. Not to say that Ma Etta doesn't get down because Ma Etta sometimes has to roll her sleeves up and fight as well she to fight the Genu. Um, our next character is Ford Sanjiri. What's your opinion on Ford Sanjiri? Uh, as he strolls through 1924 Mississippi. So in Mississippi, what he's doing sounds really great. <laughs> I think he's doing a really good job, honestly. <laughs> yes, we first meet Ford Sanjiri at a in Mississippi, the setting, and there's a clan circle, a mm -hmm. uh, clansman. You know, we have some today, but back then, you know, they get away to the Mississippi woods. Yeah. That's it's not a good thing. But the Klansmen, they have a black man, and they're going to hang him. And Ford Sanjiri pulls up. I think he shoots them all he, at first. I think he pops. Yeah. So I think he pops all of them. Well, he does, but then they wake back up. And turn into demons. Yes. So he, he pops all of them, basically, just and saves this guy's life. Um, besides, I think, one of them that he didn't, he didn't hit. He, he pulls up, saves this guy's life, and the guy's like, oh, thank you, mister. And he goes, oh, it's not over yet. And all the clansmen turn into demons. Like, they all look the same. Yeah. Like, they have little pointy-eared, like, vampire-looking demons. Little goblins. Goblins, yes. They look like goblin demons. And, yeah, members of the KKK turn into demons. You know, I see that, that comparison being, analogy being very close. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, if you're willing to go out there and do that, then you are a walking version of evil. True. Yes. You are some kind of evil in that way. Yeah. He's just, he doesn't purify demons. He exterminates. He calls it amputation. Ah. Or they, they had a meta family. It's like, oh, y'all don't pur purify him anymore? He's like, I prefer amputation. It's like, amputation. <laughs> Cutting them out. So he doesn't believe that the souls of humans can be saved after they turn into a demon. You know, he just doesn't want to try anymore. He's over that shit. He's probably seen too much, lost too much. Right. And then there's some cases where some characters who aren't the white people turning into demons, because they also say in the story that mostly time only white people turn into demons. Right. They run into demons who are, who are black people. Yep. And their hate is something else. It's right. a different kind of hate. Yeah. It's it's redemption hate. It's retribution yeah, hate. Exactly. And these people can also be consumed by, you know, those energies and those thoughts that they become demons. Right. But their demons are really strong. And like, like instead of purifying everyone, they just want to spread this, this message of retaliation and retribution mm -hmm. and redemption to everyone. And just instead of curing it, make it, where we all get it. Yeah, they are very much an eye for an eye. Yes, they are. And then back in the day, you know, those were the factions of the side that was picking up before the civil rights movement. And Dr. Sylvester, who's one of the men uh, who is the antagonist mm -hmm. in this, which is really interesting because it is a black man who's the antagonist yeah. on a black family while there's demon white people. But... Dr. Sylvester turns into a demon because he's like, I'm tired of y'all shit. Yeah. Like, y'all, my family's dead. 
And so you have those sides too, where it's just like the Sanjiri family stuck in the middle between fighting this, you know, other side, this faction of hate on the white side and the faction of hate on the, the black side as well. Right. What's your take on the, yeah, just the dynamic of the different demons in the Sanjiri family? Yeah. So I think ultimately all of them want the same thing. They kind they want to erase racism, but you just have two sides to that coin because you have people who want to eradicate these Jinnu. And then you have people who think that they are redeemable. It's just all about teaching them, guiding them, kind of keeping them. What's a good term for it? I don't know. Just, I don't know. Just really like guiding them, like being Having teachable. Having humanity. Yeah, exactly. The character for Sangiri, after he, you know, takes out this clan uh, group, there's one survivor and he's just like, he didn't turn into a demon. So Ford is just like, huh, like, why didn't you turn into a demon? He's like, oh, I didn't even mean to be here, blah, blah, blah. Like, he, he didn't mean to show up to the, the hanging in a clan suit. Yeah. Sure, it makes mm -hmm. it hard to believe. But the kid turned into a demon and he told him, hey, kid, keep your soul clean. And so I think Ford's walking that line of keeping his own soul clean. Right. And also turning into the opposite demon right, and exactly. just fighting, you know, eye for an eye. Right. He is fighting eye for an eye, but he's still holding in his, like, his, yeah. his wits about himself. But also, there is the factor that the three cousins, Burke, Blink, and Colin, have all been orphaned from the Red Summer of right. 1919. Yeah. And I did a brief reading, some research on the Red Summer of 1919. There was a lot of things going on. It was, it was post-World War One. Um, there was a job shortage, and there was also the red fear of Russians, you know, Russians taking over the country. And so on top of that, you had a lot of vigilanteism going on, white people who were vigilantes. So they would commit violent crimes, they would, you know, blow up buildings, they would, you know, have, you know, hangings and, you know, all just violent bad shit in 1919 against the black community, and they would get away with it. They, would, they wouldn't be prosecuted. Yeah. And so this was known as one of the deadliest summers in American history. And this is 1919, which in 1921 was followed by the bombing of Black Wall Street. And it sucks. <laughs> so Tulsa, and I I know a decent amount on it. It, you know, school doesn't tell you enough. No, and... school doesn't tell me anything about it. <laughs> I don't watch Watchmen and figure this out. Right. Like, what was that? Right, and I listened to a lot of true crime, and so this was one of the topics that was brought up. But basically, Tulsa, it was a bunch of black people living their best lives. They're, you know, making homes for themselves, putting up shops, you know, working hard in their community. Good economy. Building it up, and um, just the white people then got upset. And well, the story was a white woman was assaulted in an elevator uh, by a black man. Yes. And... It turns out that he did not assault her. Right. They, a lynch mob showed up, and then the black community showed up and were like, no, we're not going to let you do this. Right. Then, boom, the white people, the answer to that was to drop bombs on American soil. Yeah. This was the first time that incinerary was dropped on American soil by Americans. It was just tragic. I know a lot of us didn't learn about this in school. Probably none of us did <laughs> so in true. America. And we had to watch the new Watchmen on HBO to like, get a first like reenactment glimpse of it. Right. Uh, but it was just a tragedy and something that we should all be taught that was a mistake and how people were back then. And I can imagine 
being in that time and if I was black and there's someone trying to kill me and my family and just come after us for no reason besides this blind hate and blind fear, right. then yeah, you're a fucking demon. Right. No, I yeah. agree. Then yeah, you're a demon. You are the walking personification of evil when you're, I did nothing to you and you're just turning innocence. Are black people in hell for some reason? <laughs> because that's what it feels like. Black it's, people? Yeah. I think white people were in hell. The black people were innocent. <laughs> I know. I mean, we are innocent, but I think what I'm meaning to say is because white people are the demons, black people have to deal with it. So it's like our own oh, personal hell. Like, okay, you mean our black people in hell right now? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think some. I think the pressure and the anxiety that a black person has to deal with every day in America is kind of a version of hell. No, yeah. absolutely. Life could be better. Yes. Oh yeah. And. I grew up in black communities and I didn't really have an understanding fully of the uh, black American anxiety in America until I like started dating you really. Yeah. And see, I grew up in predominantly, so as a baby, um, used to live in the hood and so there was gunshots and my mom said, absolutely not. So I've been in mostly predominantly white communities, you know, you get the speckle of black people or another POC but uh yeah I've known I still like even in white communities I still was just like I am the blackest one here and I'm scared that someone's because I mean I got picked on for every little thing about me so definitely it, it doesn't matter where you go are black people in hell now <laughs> yeah we are please give your opinion we're gonna put a <laughs> poll out are black people in hell today but I'm an angel to you. You are an angel to me. <laughs> Let's say there's demons out there. There are. So this is just the plane. We're in purgatory right now. Oh god. And sometimes we meet some angels. Sometimes we meet some demons. That's a good. That's a good thing. Yeah, there we go. We're not in hell. <laughs> we're not in hell just yet. Or we're waiting, or whatever. If you're an atheist, I'm not waiting. this makes this whole conversation makes nothing sense to you. <laughs> What's hell? What's that? What is it, Mom? <laughs> That our, it's our base of five-year-olds listening to this, yeah. learning what heaven and hell is and death from us. Um, anyways, the 1919 Red Summer, the three cousins were victims in this. They were a part of this uh, event, and they lost their parents to it. All the cousins lost their parents. So they're inflicted by that, and their grandma takes care of them. But Dr. Sylvester, the guy who turns into a demon too... He lost his whole family in the Tulsa Race Massacre. And he's inflicted by that so badly that he becomes a demon and it's just eye for an eye. He just wants to fight with them. He actually ends up, starts opening up like portals yeah. to hell and summoning in Zandu, which in Zandu are just demons. There's no going back. Uh, but Dr. Sylvester, he doesn't want to push his power too far because then he'll just become a demon. So right. he has to steal the serum the Fifno root serum from the family. Okay, so now that we've talked about the setting, the historical fiction setting that this takes place in, and some of the characters, uh, I want to ask you, Cammy, what did you like mostly about this comic book? So, and that's a good question. Here, if you want to take a little <laughs> yonder at it. Well, honestly, like, love the artwork. I, I mean, it just it's done so well. Every piece, every sketch, and just. The color on it is just super, super great. But I think I liked 
the consistency and the flow because it sticks with the action. The action moves throughout the story. They have very small snippets of like conversation, mm -hmm. but constant action and it's action that is well explained and you understand what's going on because there's some comics where I'm just like, I'm sorry, how did you get from here to yes. here? So I think it was really, really well done. Just really good. If they have a classic, they have a classic feel to it. Like you can tell these, like I said before, you could tell these creators love comic books. Yeah. You can tell the writer likes comic books. You can tell the the, the artist loves comic books. Because it honestly makes you feel like they're almost X-Men characters yeah. and human shells. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes the way like a page is, like there's very, I use this word in a good way, a very flamboyant flair to it. Yes. Because sometimes it's like there's, you know, seven demons on the screen and then the character is like doing like kind of a flip to get a shot off right. and he's saying something. So they got to really work with the whole page they worked or sometimes well. work with both pages yeah. and they do a really good job with spreading that out. So there's a, like a lot of flamboyant, almost like pops off the page, like pictures, like where it could almost be a poster. Right. And with that, you know, like I've, like I say time and time again, every comic book frame is a piece of art. Like mm -hmm. everyone's a single piece that that artist actually had to work on. So I love that about it. But also in the first trade bitter root with issue one through five, and also if you just get the single issues when they come out uh, monthly, uh, whatever comic book store you go to on your Wednesdays, uh, at at the back of the comic book when you're done, there is some very informative information on the back. It's almost educating. Yeah. And it's called, uh, they have guest writers, and it's called Bitter Truth. And so they have brought guest writers on, um, Dr. Kenitra Brooks. Um, she's head chair at the Literature Studies in English at Michigan State University. You know, we'll have guest writers on that. They have John Jennings who he's a professor of media and culture studies at the University of California at Riverside. He's the co-editor the co-editor of Eisner Award winning collection, The Blacker the Ink, which is a construction of black identity in comics and sequential arts. So basically someone who is also about finding black artists and, you know, finding black artists in comic books and black roles in comic books. Because yeah. me and Cammy have discussed before that there's not a lot of black characters or roles in literature no. or comic books no, for that really matter. Isn't. It's because I think the authors think that it's uncharted territory and which it is you, I think as a white author or non uh, black author, you should really, if you're going to write a black character, if you're going to draw a black character, you need to have a research team that is black <laughs> I you like need it. to have people on your team that are you know who are black and can lead you into the right direction because you should not ask them extra to provide <laughs> uh you with what you need because guess what yeah, don't be a white artist who fucks up her skin was like coffee great oh yeah wonderful thank you so much for describing it I'm not going to go there. <laughs> 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 okay, you can have that one. I'm a salty cracker. No, I'm not. <laughs> a salty cracker? You've got a little bit of flavor. Probably more than most. Oh, yeah. I can. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just for example, like what you will get, so Bitter Truth Writings, this is actually from the creators Chuck Brown and David F. Walker of October 2018. 
I'm not going to read the whole bitter uh, truth segment they have where they just wrote a, a, quite a few paragraphs on just, you know, about bitter roots and about the time period that this book is in and about just how impactful this is on everyone who reads it and how it makes you feel. But one of my favorite paragraphs to them was, one of the greatest horrors we face is racism. It is an ignorant, vile, vicious monster that lurks in humanity's past, present, and sadly in our future. Bitterroot takes this monster and gives it a face and a body and an uncomfortable desire to kill. But this series also gives hope in fighting this vicious monster and the hope comes in the form of the Sangiri family. The Sangiris are fighting a never-ending battle to combat and extinguish the monster born out of racism, intolerance, and hate. Bitterroot is filled with action, drama, laughs, and amazing artwork, but at its core, the series is a call to combat the bitter root of racism and hate. It's like super poignant. Drop mic. Yeah. And that's how I felt after I finished this first volume. Like, it, everyone needs to read this. It's, it's, I mean, everyone's gonna read it. Right. But if you see it in a comic book store, pick it up. Give it a try. This is good food for your soul, mm -hmm. for your mind, and see it from that side. Right. Because, yes, like, I don't understand idiots who are just hateful on the roads and just, yes. I'm like, that person just, for no reason, just is being really, looks, he looks vicious from his window being like, yeah. But from that, uh, I, I love that aspect of it where you have the very educational, information in the back of the book after you read each issue and also the covers the variant covers they're so cool amazing i mean i had jablar go to the comic book store for me well he was gonna go anyways so he was just like do you want these variant covers i was like um duh but i didn't realize there were so many different yeah. variant covers there's like there's cullen uh, the one on the younger cousin he's like riding a motorcycle and it's the scene from purple rain cover yeah uh there's a akira one where it's like one of them's walking towards their motorcycle and they have like these cool futuristic guns where you put like vials in them mm -hmm. and that's where the serum goes and you shoot people with it the demons like cure them or really just hold them back and they really give it a sci-fi feel too. Yeah, so I this agree. book has a steampunk action horror like sci-fi like all rolled in the once. Yeah. One and, big cookie. Yeah. And you know what? Some aspects may make some people feel uncomfortable and you know that's just racism uncomfortable. You need to be and uncomfortable. This is the time where we're like we're kind of trying to spit in its face and just you know tell it to go the fuck away. <laughs> It's like when, you know, when a ghost walks in your room, you're like, I know there's a ghost in my room. And you're just like, go away. <laughs> no one just, asked you to be here. You're not paying bills. Look, I'm not afraid of you. Just, just but you're bothering me. You're annoying. Just, I'm sorry. Turn this is my grandpa, but out. please go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real scary. Thanks. <laughs> Grandpa's at it again. <laughs> what was your favorite character? Uh, definitely Blink. Blink? She, Blink was just my favorite character. She, because she wanted to be in the fight she was like please let me fight please let me fight but when she got the grounding of ma Edda, and that told her look we've lost too much already we don't need any more loss you know blink was just like all right so blink i think is very level-headed and so she kind of reminds me of me because i'm just like but i want to do this and i want to serve how i should serve and how i see best fit but then I check in on the realities of 
what would happen. And I'm just like, okay, settle your soul, Camille. It's okay. <laughs> settle your soul, Cammy. It's okay. Settle your soul? One of these white demons? <laughs> <laughs> you have. No, I'm just kidding. Love. 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 My favorite character, I think I already stated earlier, was Berg. He just, ah. It's a tie between Berg and Cullen. Okay. Because Cullen, he's he's shaping up to be pretty cool. Right. And we we still have some more to read. We 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 both had to read this on the fly. Yeah. And because we were we wanted to get in, and at, at first I was like, well, what if this isn't up to the standards of what we want to do? And then I, I think I read like two or three issues, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so good. This episode. So good. And because it touches such a touchy subject. Right. And to be honest with you, I think this comic book, it's getting uh, a lot of love from award stuff. It won the Iser Award for Best Continual co Series Continuing. Yeah, Continuing Series. Best, it won the Iser Award for Best Continuing Series. Congratulations. Yeah. So I hope they keep it going yeah. through the series. And so the second volume is actually coming out in October. I do believe it's October 28th. 20th yes and so i'm like super stoked to get my hands on the rest of the issues if there's any more uh especially if there's any more variant covers yes and this is a great book for anyone who is one of those people who just has already decorated with some halloween yeah. stuff in their front and they're just you go to work and it's it's october and if you're like my mom and you're just gonna put like you know make your whole nails just have like spiders and ghosts <laughs> on them and stuff if you are a halloween horror movie you like to read scary stuff in this fall season because i know i do uh, this is perfect yeah it's if, really good if you go pick this up right now uh bitter roots uh volume one family business next month in october volume two comes out and yeah it's actiony it like you know they move a lot but the cool like demons popping up and yeah. like giving them a hard time it's 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 great read it's great stuff mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a very seasonal, it's perfect for the season, and it's perfect for what the movements we're going through right now, yeah, because the ultimate story of this too is yes, we have to fight racism, but try to see the good in people too. Yeah. So that's where the Sangiri family's going. So it gives a lot of different perspectives on that issue. We hope that you have enjoyed the passing of story that mm -hmm. we gave to you in this podcast. Um, if you found this interesting, there are some social media outlets for this comic book series and for some of the creators as well. Right. So if you go to IG and you go to at Bitterroot18, that is the official comic book page site for that one. Mm -hmm. For David F. Walker, at MofoMan86, MofoMan, love the name. <laughs> uh, for Sanford Green, it's at Sanford Green, and Green's with an E at the end. And for Chuck Brown, it's at chuck.brown.902. Uh, nice. We're hoping you're okay. Giving a little shout out. Like this this podcast, because we love this comic book. Yeah. And we think more people should read it. And we think more people should get in contact and see your art, you know, oh, yeah. through social media. Because, you know, we're, we're all about passing good ideas, good work. You put in some good work, you deserve some good credit. Hell yeah. And we're here to spread that for a lot of titles mm -hmm. that are unique and special and you are one of them so appreciate the great story yep, yep, yep. any even regards on the comic book and how 
how it hit you? It, I mean, this one hit me hard. It really did. And so I just, honestly, I'm really thankful that there were, you know, men, black men who decided that this was supposed to be out there. And I'm so glad because it's telling a story that every single black person has gone through. And if you haven't, I hope it doesn't happen to you. And if you are more interested in black traders and comic books and black roles in comic books, uh, find John Jennings. He's on IG as well. And I think he's just at John Jennings. He just, I started following him. That's all he talks about yes. is comic books. Uh, Sanford Green's IG is great. He does live uh, videos when he's just doing, he's actually making the art and he makes unique characters. Yeah. He makes characters commissioned if you want something specific, but he also makes his, his own stuff from his own mind. It's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, that's it. Uh, final word of this, just be good people. Yes. Be good to other people. Don't become a genu. Precisely. Or we might have to make some root serum oh, yeah. and slap some mofos with the, with the, <laughs> <laughs> this is Nerd Escape Podcast, where we talk about everything underrated and overlooked. We hope you enjoyed this show. We will see y'all next time. Yeah. Read, people. Read. Do your research. Read for the love of read. Read for the love of read. Please. Hey, okay, one. Next time on Nerd Escape Podcast, we will be discussing the comic book volume one of Sea of Stars. Sea of Stars is written by Dennis Hopeless, and the artwork is done by Jason Aaron. I have written, I've seen some Jason Aaron artwork before, and he does not disappoint in this. The story is unique and one of a kind and uh, we look forward to sharing it with you uh, yeah. until next time this is nerd escape podcast thanks for listening the song will take you out yeah <laughs> Keep up. Keep. 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 Keep.